This is the Macworld Podcast, episode 563, for June 14th, 2017. Folks, welcome back to the Macworld Podcast. I'm Glenn Fleischman, a senior contributor at Macworld, and joining me is senior editor Roman Loyola. How you doing? I am uh, I'm fantastic. I hear you picked up the uh, WWDC crud. It's a traditional. Yes, the trade show crud. And it's it I got it like I didn't feel it coming the day after the keynote, but you know, that like the evening after I felt it coming on and hit me pretty hard. I'm pretty sure conferences are organized entirely by viruses. That's if you, if you ever wonder <laughs> why you have to attend so many, it has nothing to do with our needs. It's um, we're we're gene machines carrying viruses and bacteria that need to get together. So uh, they invent yeah. a culture around us. All all of our culture is merely for viruses to exchange genetic yeah. material. So if you thought my voice sounded funny before, <laughs> it sounds even worse now. You're down in the Barry White range. That's what I like when I get a cold <laughs> and I'm talking like Barry White. <laughs> uh, well, you know, we had uh, so much news from Apple's Worldwide Developer Conference last week that we bumped some of it to this week, and I'm not even sure we'll get through all of it this week. Um, I want to start with a couple news bits, and then we'll go into some big picture discussion, and then into iOS and the uh, iPad Pro uh, updates, because, um, man, you know, I th- we covered some stuff briefly last week. It's like, well, we'll talk about iOS uh, next week, and I, I started compiling the full list. I'm like, holy cats, and some things came out. Later in the week, it became clearer what some features did. So this is a little more complete. But um, Roman, the big news this morning is that uh, uh, Apple confirmed uh, that it is actually engaged in self-driving uh, car research, which is kind of a big deal. Um, you know, it's been kind. It's been known for a while. They were filing permits with government agencies. They were, uh, you know, no one saw an Apple car in the wild. I don't think, but they had people they were hiring, and then it seemed like they reorganized the team and laid people off, and people went other places. Um, we even knew that the code name was probably Project Titan. That's what it seemed to be. But Apple wasn't talking about it. And then Steve Jobs, Tim Cook, sorry, Tim, uh, I'll get used to it eventually. Uh, Tim Cook um, you know, has actually confirmed it now. So uh, this is uh, kind of a big deal, kind of a big deal that we know they're working on it. We don't know if they're making a car, but they're working on a technology that would enable self, uh, you know, autonomous, uh, autonomous driving. Yeah, it sounds like they're working on the systems that would create uh, that would create or operate the self-driving car, not necessarily the car itself, but that seems like it's you weird. know the next step essentially for, because yeah, Apple's not known for being a I don't know if infrastructure is the right word, but you know what I mean, they're not known for creating underlying technologies. They're they're well, they I mean they have done that, but they're more into creating the final product that they sell to a consumer or to the general public. So this is, you know, maybe that's just the next step in the evolution. Maybe they were kind of, I guess, to use a, 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 a attempt at a pun, putting the cart before the horse or something. Like that, some <laughs> kind of car pun. But because there, you know, the rumors were they were making a self-driving car, and the idea that they were creating a car, but maybe they had to go and create the self-driving part first before you make the car, which seems to kind of make sense. Yeah, a car is, it just takes so many years to bring a car to market. And it's such an intensive experience to, you know, in the US, there's uh, Tesla's been fighting the whole dealership model. So it's not just that you, I mean, it's much worse than what, when Apple bucked the cell phone model where uh, 
handset makers couldn't really interact directly with customers at some level, right? It was the uh, cellular phone uh, networks were these middlemen that controlled how that worked. And when updates came through and Apple kind of waved its hands and they had leveraged with AT&T and they broke open the whole system, which allowed Android and other phones to succeed as well, um, although with varied success. Uh, but it took the upgrade cycle and features and all kinds of stuff outside outside of the uh, carrier's hands. And uh, I just don't see – like Apple doesn't like that kind of um, regulatory thing. Like A, right. it has retail stores. But can you imagine like Apple car stores? It's just the amount of money to operate right. – enough and then they'd have to have authorized dealers and the dealers would be wheeling it just doesn't seem to fit into apple's commerce notions so yeah even though they don't do system integration i mean they have carplay which is a generally not very well liked technology it's kind of this um meager compromise to push almost a static image that the phone is generating to a console in your uh, car but it's not really it's not great um by any means and it's very limited, um, and it's not exactly integrated because I don't think Apple's providing Apple's providing some technology in the car, but they didn't like they're not making the display, they're not making the touchscreen. It's not like an Apple devices in the car. It's a you know an interface standard that the the uh, in car player has to support uh, that you plug into. So yeah, it's a little weird. Like so, I mean, I figure Apple has a ton of stuff in the lab that we will never hear about uh, or it leaks right. out, and they're just you know they've hundreds of billions of dollars. They're gonna push in any possible direction that makes sense to find the next big thing or the next big things. Um, but yeah, the fact that cook confirmed it makes it, uh, seem to me much more likely that we'll see, um, some practical outcome because they don't usually talk about anything they don't plan to put in a product and ship. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see where this, this leads. If I wonder if this will lead to more, you know, a, a reveal of what, you know, what they're working on more, being a little more open about what's going on with this development or if that's just a thing he's going to say and then we'll never hear about it again. It's possible. So, I mean, it's possible. Yeah. Like I can't imagine Apple even buying a car company, but it may be that they work very closely. I mean, God, all I can think about is the Motorola Razor when I start saying that. <laughs> was it the Razor or the, no, the Rocker? The Razor. Rocker. The it rocker. was a Rocker. Right. Oh, okay, right. The Razor, what? right. You the, rock, pull... the Razor was the, like the Star Trek kind of communicator. That's right. Like, that was good. Was yeah. That one worked. Yeah. yeah, the Rocker. And so I think, I'm like, well, maybe Apple will work with, you know, BMW and a handful of car companies that may be working on their own. I mean, every car company is working on its own AI system and autonomous driving system. Right. But maybe they will find a few anointed partners. It'll be super high touch. It'll only be in cars that cost, you know, forty to 100000 no, I don't know. All these things. Uh, there, there's also the difference between um, – we talk about this a lot too – the difference between fully autonomous driving and like uh, integrated assisted driving. And I know that Apple, um, from what Cook was saying, is talking – he you know, used the word autonomy. And I mean that's the ultimate direction to go. But there's so much that can be done in the interim in terms of improving driver safety, awareness, alertness, um, assistance so that people are more focused and – the car tells them more about what's going on so that if your attention flags, it warns you, hey, there's, you know, and, you know, some cars have this already. There's like auto braking features when they detect you're about to be in a collision. Um, I mean, auto parking, like, look, just give me a car. And I know these exist. Give me a car that I hit a button, 
And it parallel parks for me. Oh my God, my life would be a thousand times better in the city, right? Um, it would also make parking more efficient because every car would then park in the least amount of space possible. You have these old people like me. And I mean, I got, you know, <laughs> we actually, let's see, we, we have one manual transmission car left and it'll be our last, I'm sure. And, uh, you know, just trying to like, oh, I got to turn that wheel and roll oh, back up in the spot. I'm, I'm the guy doing that. But um, I can get in with like, I've parked my car with a foot on either side, but I'd rather an AI did it for me. Um, but anyway, it's interesting. Apple doesn't usually disclose anything they're working on. And now we know they've got a Mac Pro that's in the works. It's not shipping. Uh, we know they've got this in-car system. Um, uh, less exciting piece of news, uh, but still of interest since we're on a podcast, is Apple says they're going to – they're uh, not only enhancing their podcast app by um, – uh, they specified new metadata tags. This is going to sound a little inside baseball, I know, listeners. But since you're listening to a podcast, you might care like 1% about this. So I'm going to just mention it briefly uh, <laughs> because it, it might be relevant to you. So it's really hard to measure who listens to podcasts. We only know downloads. We don't know what people are doing. And there's been a lot of pushback from people in different aspects of not turning podcasts into another like advertiser-driven medium like Facebook where everything is measured and, and all of your behavior is – disclosed and um, it's very invasive and and so forth. So um, there's there's that dynamic where advertisers and people trying to sell ads would love more information to make sure they think it could break open the ad market because advertisers with an actual actual knowledge of how people are listening to podcasts, like how long, when they tune out, uh, how they listen to ads, that could have a big impact on them on advertiser spending, which could improve the podcast ecosystem. Uh, people on the privacy side are like, just leave me alone. Like a podcast is the one area you only know I downloaded it. That's it. You don't know anything else about me. Um, but anyway, so Apple says they're, uh, they're improving podcasts, their podcast app by allowing, uh, support for more tags, more metadata that will specify information about the podcast, which is great because then everyone in the industry can adopt it or not, but it won't, um, it doesn't break podcasts. So Apple doesn't have a proprietary thing. It's more like they said, if you add these fields, we will now use them in iTunes and in the podcast app, which is great. Um, but the analytics thing is you will now be able as a podcaster to um, examine uh, how people listen uh, in an aggregated, anonymized fashion. So ostensibly, you'll be able to log into a console, something like uh, iTunes Connect. Uh, it's used for book sales and um, on the iBook Store and uh, the App Store, and see uh, not just how many people downloaded, but how many people using an Apple app uh, listened when they stopped listening on average, like the points. And through the show, I don't know how precise it'll be, but you can actually potentially map this against ad reads and find out whether people were skipping ads or not. Um, so it's a big deal. I, I found this interesting because as far as I know, and I don't know a lot about uh, the business side of podcasting, you know, Apple distributes these podcasts, you know, through the iTunes store. And most of them, if not all of them, are free, right? I can't so, remember if there's a way. I guess you can charge for podcasts. I'm not sure. Yeah. You can buy. I, I think you have to. If you want to charge for podcasts, I think you might have to go – through like you, you sell it as an audiobook. I don't know that you sell it. Right, I think, I think right. Apple's podcast app is all free. There are third party apps that are like like um, uh, Earwolf and some others have apps uh, like Mark Maron's show. I think has its own, or maybe it's part of the Earwolf thing uh -huh. now, where you pay a subscription to the app and you get access to premium content. But it's not you know you're not buying a podcast from iTunes. So essentially, Apple is distributing, the, letting you distribute your podcast through their store for free, right? And 
So they're not really getting any revenue from these podcasts. Right. Is, is that correct? Yeah. I mean, it used to be, I, at some point it changes when bandwidth was more uh, constrained. Apple was like mirroring podcast downloads and there was an issue about like, well, could you, you wouldn't know how many downloads you had. And then now they're kind of a proxy. They're basically, you give them an, an RSS feed, uh, which is still I used see. for podcasts and they distribute that. They, they kind of direct that through their systems. Um, but yeah, they don't make any money off it. And it was kind of a, an ecosystem support thing. I think when they launched it, it was more like, this is something that Mac users want to do. It's a selling point for iOS users to have an app that lets them do it because millions and millions of people are doing it. And now uh, I forget the number. Um, I think Marco Arment, who makes one of the leading uh, podcast apps, uh, Overcast, I think he said, was it 70%? Gosh, I can't know if that's right. 70% of people were, um, uh, was it 30%? Uh, it's a big percentage of, Listeners to most podcasts are using Apple's podcast app in iOS. So even though there are uh, multiple competing iOS apps and there are also Android apps, they still form a, a subset of the market just because the podcast app is free and um, distributed uh, by Apple. Yeah, I just thought it was interesting because Apple's providing these analytics, even though they're not making any money off of podcast distribution. They're, they're trying to help the podcasters figure out how to make money. So to me, there seems to be an angle there that Apple might be trying to get at eventually. I don't know what it is because I'm not, I know nothing about business. So <laughs> I used you know. to have podcasts that paid ads on them. It's well, it's why I say it's a funny thing is I wonder if this is the next step will be Apple um, helping, you know, Apple could do things like ad insertion. That's a big thing. There are multiple podcast businesses some of them come from the radio side where they automatically insert ads programmatically um, right. uh, or you might be able to sell. I mean, I would, I would love to be able to have a podcast where people could just choose to subscribe and they'd pay directly. You have to have ad support or sponsorship or have some private RSS feed, which is hard to keep private. Um, so it's, I don't know. The whole thing is, it's really fascinating because uh, to me, because tens of millions of people now regularly listen to podcasts. It's no longer a niche thing. Hi folks listening to podcasts right now, as we talk, you're one of tens of millions of people and we appreciate you. Uh, we appreciate you so much. We'll move on because it is inside baseball, but I, I'm, you know, we're always wondering what Apple's going to do. Um, Roman, I want to talk about the big picture before we get to the iOS stuff, because uh, it, it struck me, I'm typing up these notes this morning and I'm reading about the car, self-driving car thing. And I'm like thinking, you know, it was just two weeks ago that Apple was behind at everything, right? <laughs> Apple, everyone's, Apple doesn't have a strategy. We don't know what they're doing in the future. They've got all their eggs in the iPhone basket. And then in one event, we get VR, AR, um, integrated machine learning model access, which we could talk about a little later, but it's basically people using machine learning can kind of copy and paste the trained results of what they've done into iOS and just deploy it now um, in apps, which is people in that field are apparently astonished by. I, I hope I'm not overstating it, but I've read some things where people are like, oh, it's not game changer like night and day. It's more like, oh, now we have a really practical way we can easily use these trained machine learning results. Uh, an in-home speaker slash assistant, peer-to-peer -peer payment, a new best-of-breed tablet that sort of responds to the surface in the level of just like taking the iPad Pro and making it like even more iPad Pro-ier, right? iPad-specific features, more of a, you know, it's pushing it that direction. And now self-driving car research has been revealed, meaning that maybe it's going to turn into something real. Is your head spinning from like, you know, <laughs> I don't know that I thought we'd get all of this this fast, but it feels like Apple is 
making at least a very determined push to say uh, we are no longer in the position of people asking what we're up to in regards to and then listing a lot of stuff. Yeah, well, the, the, yeah, there's a lot of stuff going on, and it just so happens that I, on Monday, we're recording this on Tuesday, on Monday, Apple stock was down. Fascinating. So. <laughs> that usually means so. like, if stock price goes down, there's one argument is that people factored in already what they thought Apple would do, and it goes down because they're taking profits on the results of that. But I don't know. That's right. All, that's all whatever. So, um, but yeah, well, it's 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 Tuesday, and it's it's back up again. So it's, but I don't know. Remember, I don't not looking to see if it's back up to where it was before Monday. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's it's up as of Tuesday uh as we speak so yeah you know it's funny it's all it takes is one wwdc to change your perspective on what apple's doing and then you know or and then a couple months later and then we'll you know everyone will be talking about how the iphone 8 isn't uh, up to snuff and stuff like that so <laughs> exactly that's all it takes it just takes one more you know it's it's basically from event to event it's so. true although i mean there are all these things that i think it, it kind of reminds me of the netbook thing a little bit because um, we were talking about last week is that Apple was criticized for a long time for not getting into the netbook industry. They said there's no profit there. These are crummy machines. And then they shipped an iPad, which sucked all the – I think the, the iPad Plus, then Google uh, Chromebooks and more powerful you know, netbook-like things sucked all the life out of the netbook industry, right? Sucked all the low-end laptops out. It just changed that entire thing. Everyone's like, well, Apple's not in this. They're losing all this money. They're like, no, they're they're not – Losing profit was the whole point. So I feel like there's a point which Apple, I think we've talked about this now already a couple of times the last few weeks, that they uh, like to take all the oxygen out of the room, but they like to wait until the room is full of oxygen. <laughs> and then they, you know, all right. The rest tossing of, a match. That's right. <laughs> all of you uh, uh, photosynthesizing plants, you can do all that oxygen creation. We'll wait for the world to get to that point, and then we will come and uh, outcompete you at that point because we're full of all this delicious oxygen. Um so that's where I feel like they kind of dropped the curtain and said, all right, we have all this stuff. It's all ready to go. Uh, developers are excited about it. Just to point out in what, like one case, like the AR kit, the augmented uh, uh, reality uh, toolkit that's built into iOS 11, developers were literally releasing sample videos, I think, within hours, maybe even not hours, by the next morning, but of stuff with AR kit. They downloaded it. They got it running. They wrote some code and they're like, okay, well that was uh, not that hard to do and it's better than anything I've ever seen. Um, so that's a, that's an interesting position to be in. Uh, well, let's, uh, let's dive into the iOS updates. I know people are eager. If uh, A lot of you are probably not going to be installing, uh, certainly not installing the developer beta, although it's not that hard to get um, for you just join the developer program very inexpensively. Uh, you may be waiting for a public beta. Um, you may just say, look, I can just hear about this stuff and I will wait until the production version is out. I can wait that long. That'd be cool too. Uh, so we'll tell you what's going on. Um, Roman, I am not yet running iOS 11. I think you are not also. Is that right? I am not. I, yeah, I know I'm nervous I'm waiting about for it. The, yeah, I'm nervous about it and I'm waiting. I'll wait for the uh, public beta, which is supposed to come out, I think, at the end of this month. Yeah, I've heard a lot of people talking about problems with, uh, I mean, a lot of, it, it seems like this is a really rough one. Some people are like, oh, this is the easiest uh, developer beta I ever installed. And other people are like, oh my God, I had to wipe the mach- my device multiple times and try all these things. Uh, so I, I feel like it's uh, it's worth waiting uh, for. So we'll have to rely on other people briefly and then uh, get the thing installed. I need to find out. I think I think I was talking about, I don't think I have a device 
I only have one 64 bit iPad in the house. The other two iPads are pre 64 bit and I only have two phones that support it, but I kind of need them both working. So I may take the iPhone uh, seven plus. I will probably install iOS 11 on that as when I feel like it's safe and uh, take the pain there after I finish a project where I need to have a stable, (laughs) stable iOS seven plus. Um, so lots of stuff. We have a list of all the, you go to macworld.com and you can find a rundown of all this, but holy cow, is there a lot that's new and interesting? Um, uh, Siri, let's talk about Siri first. Now, um, Roman, I, uh, have such a love hate relationship with, uh, her, it, them. Um, I, I want it to work so badly and then it works badly, right? It's just, it's, it's, uh, uh, you know, I'm sort of tired of like, like uh, for, here's a great example. And I complain about this a bunch. If you have an app installed on your phone, shouldn't Siri know how to, I mean, I don't think developers can put in preferred pronunciation, like phonetics for their app name, which is ridiculous. And, um, I have an app called Authy, A-U-T-H-Y. I have trained Siri. So folks, I don't know if you realize this, maybe you do. When you do Siri, it starts to tell you it doesn't know something or whatever. You can slide down on that screen and you can edit what it thought you hear heard, and that actually helps train it, right? So that's one of the training features in Siri. I think it's a little not discoverable um, because you have to sort of accidentally tap and go, oh, I can tap and edit that or slide down or whatever. Um, so I've trained Siri a million times that it's not Offy, O-F-F-I-E, which I don't even know what that is. That's not a thing. It's Offy. She still can't understand that. And I'm thinking... <laughs> That's a problem, but it's just a constant thing or just the cutie cuteness. Like, ah, but so there's a bunch of Siri improvements coming. The voice is supposed to be better, but uh, this type to use Siri, uh, where do you think that fits into the ecosystem that you're going to get this kind of AI feature, but you'll be able to tap it in instead of having to speak it and be recognized? Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. I also have a lot of problems just getting Siri to work. For instance, my wife's name is Christina and I have multiple people named Christina, my contacts from PR contacts, mostly, uh, and a couple of other friends. But every time I used to say, call Christina, it would end up, Siri would end up calling a PR contact. So then I would say my wife's last name, but Siri would not understand what I was saying. And so, and I just kept trying to train Siri and it just wouldn't work. So I eventually had the put in my contacts that my wife's nickname was the wife oh god almighty so i was so now when i want to (laughs) call siri i say hey siri call the wife and siri gets it correct but it just seems you know illogical to me that i can't just use my wife's name and you know the other things about siri is i only use siri when i think i have a one question query. Yes. Because Siri doesn't have the contextual, you can't do any contextual follow ups with Siri a lot of times. So, and it doesn't know what you're talking about even after you get past the first question. So, you know, they're just improving Siri's interaction in general to me in any way, shape, or form is, is always is, is an improvement. So I just, I just wanted to get the work better and, you know, in a general sense. Well, it's going to integrate better with third party uh, services too. There's a uh, Siri kits going to be more expansive. I think partly, probably, I don't know if that ties in with HomePod or if it's just um, trying to compete with app, uh, Amazon's echo system, which has um, 
uh, an extensive set of uh, I forget what they're called, not automations, but um, Echo has has an incredible ease of integration. So they want to get those developers in. But, um, yeah, it's just uh, it's just Siri is kind of a mess. And you're thinking, shouldn't it be able? I use it, you know. I'll I'll ask it to uh, start a timer, basically, or remind me of something. Um, but there's just uh, or do calculations. Those are good. Uh, you know, what's point zero one six times yeah. two hundred? It's really nice to be able to say that aloud, and um, as long as it gets it right. But yeah, I'll, I'm, hopefully they will. Um, it's not just going to be cosmetic, but it'll it'll be better. The voice improvements, the voice improvements that they sh- demonstrated w- during WWDC keynote, the female voice sounded more natural. Then they played the male voice, and I was like, "The male voice still sounds like a robot to me." But, Interesting. And, and the people around me were kind of like, "That sounded weird." Also, so they also <laughs> thought that maybe you know maybe part of it has to do with that. Mostly people use the female voice, right? So they're used to that, and they're used to hearing how robotic it is yeah so they can sense the improvement and maybe they're not used to hearing the male voice so they can't tell what the improvement is i think that's very reasonable it's i think it's it seems really likely it's uh the the other thing i want to point out with siri that's you know problematic is uh because google has its apps you know integrated or not integrated but in ios i've used gboard the keyboard uh, typing thing um Gboard, by the way, I swear by it. It's just one of those, you know, swipe your fingers to type thing. And I um, can type so much faster with that. And it, and it learns from you as well. But it, they added, uh, Google added in a recent release just a few weeks ago, I think, you can now hold down on the space bar and it'll bring up Google voice recognition. And it is ridiculous how much better it is. It's ridiculous how much better it is. I can say, I can speak sloppily with all the static while driving and it gets it exactly right. And I'm thinking, look, I know that, Google has a different set of resources than Apple does, and it started on this earlier than Apple did. But it, it still seems to me ridiculous that Apple feels so far behind there. So let's yeah. hope. Let's hope we see a better Siri. Better, I mean, Siri is going to be better integrated now across devices. Functionality should be similar, and they have more of an impetus now to improve it overall because they're kind of you know staking part of their future on this. And obviously, the self-driving uh, car system is going to have – some kind of interactive component that has to be oh, driven by Siri, right? <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, ahoy, telephone car, you know, uh, drive me to the store. Okay, driving you off the pier. No, I said <laughs> driving to the store. <laughs> Taking a yeah. long drive off a short pier. Um, the Files app, I think, is funny. So I have a question for you because I have <laughs> spent like 20 minutes trying to sort this out. The Files app, you can use that on any iOS device, right? Or is it only iPad? And that's a good question. Isn't that fun? I can't find a definitive answer. I I looked at folks who did hands-on time. I'm looking at Apple site. I'm looking at their PR. They talk about it as if it's an iPad feature, but I don't think you're going to be limited to downloading files only on an iPad. This is when I wish I had the beta running because I would see if right. I can get the app installed. Yeah, same here. I'm not sure you can actually get the app on an iPhone in the beta either. I don't know. But it would be really weird to me if you could not use the Files app on an iPhone. That seems strange, even if they're targeting it to iPad. But um, yeah, so people being able to to uh, access a file um, hierarchy on an iOS seems like, uh, you know, it's uh, – a terrible thing, right? It's it's against all principles. But no, no, now it's available. But if you could just do it on an iPad, I don't know. So I'm interested in that. And I, I think uh, there's there's just so many times when uh, I, I wound up using Dropbox for that purpose. I've got Dropbox synced everywhere, and I use the Dropbox app to find stuff. But conceivably, 
having better access to the iOS file system will be great. Um, Wasn't the Files app part of the... So when the Apple did the iOS 11 presentation, it was actually split. Yes. Because they did the general and then they did... And then I think they talked about the iPad Pro and then they said, here are new features for iOS 11 specific... Well, there are still there, there were iPad Pro specific features, which we'll we'll talk about in a moment. And I thought they were saying files was part of it. And I checked, uh, you know, I read like twenty articles last night uh, and tried to and looked at Apple's video about it too. And it, I don't think it's definitive, but I think what they're doing is they right. want to they want to encourage the notion that it's going to be using the iPad, but it's not useful anywhere right. else. But it's, I and think, it's not locked to it. Yeah, I don't know. I guess we'll find out. I uh, yeah. if, if any listener has an answer, let us know because um, uh, it's just. Uh, yeah, I don't know if it's available for download on, I should say, on the iPhone yet. Um, but one related thing is Apple's improving storage management. They're gonna, uh, they've revamped how that works in iOS, and that is again one of the a common question, maybe not the most frequent, but a common question I get to our Mac nine one one email address is, uh, what's going on with uh, all this storage that's being used? Right, I've got five gigabytes uh, of storage being used on my phone for something or other, I can't tell what it is, or this happens all the time, messages gets clogged up. You know, I don't know if this has happened to you where you have gigabytes. Sometimes, you know, it can be five or even maybe eight gigabytes. I think I've seen some people have that's messages and they go like, I've gone through and I've deleted all the conversations. So ostensibly it should all be deleted, but the storage is still taken up. And the only way to get around it is to back up your phone and do a full restore. And when you do that, for some reason, even though you've backed it up, it dumps all that data. Um, so Apple is finally offering uh, some more general, uh, sort of an integrated and better iPhone iCloud management interface. But one of the things is like delete all your message storage that's a year or more old, right? And that hopefully will help with that problem. Um, and iMessage in the cloud will also help, but that's kind of a different issue. There's security issues that I'm writing about and so forth. But um, uh, that is a problem that I think people will be delighted will go away or could go away. Um, drag and drop within apps. Now we'll talk in a second. The iPad pro has a more thorough version, but there's a more, there's a limited version of drag and drop that'll be available, uh, on the iPhone as well. So, uh, I think you'll be able to draw drag and drop fields or something between apps or there's, or within apps, but you won't be able to do it with the same comprehensive fashion you can on an iPad. I think we mentioned last week, Apple pay, uh, for uh, peer to peer transactions, uh, which, um, I don't know. Do you use, uh, you know, we're, we're of similar ages, Roman. Do you use Venmo or um, Square Cash or any of the other solutions out there for doing uh, virtual cash payments to people? You know, it's funny. It's, you talk about our age. <laughs> the people I use Venmo with are about 15 years younger than I am. Exactly. And the people that I use PayPal are my age. <laughs> and then the people who are older, we, you know, I, we use cash. 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 I've heard of There's cash. There's a thing called cash. I've heard it's of actual that. paper money that the government distributes. That's true. And if you lose it, it's gone forever. Yes. That's it's really weird. Um, <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. Well, I mean, Venmo is kind of, is. I, I see people use Venmo. It's almost like a social media cash thing. And people have been embarrassed because if you don't mark, I think it's very easy to accidentally mark transactions as public. And so yes. you pay somebody and it shows up. It's like, you know, Roman has paid Four hundred and thirty-three dollars yes. to Cat Fancy or something like. Wait, I didn't want everyone doesn't need to know my cat obsessions. Um, so yeah, so Apple uh, getting in this space, I think, uh, makes a ton of sense. Um, and I'm not sure 
their implementation is um seems a little odd. <clears throat> Excuse me, a little odd. It's like you're having a a kind of a cash account. I guess it's PayPal ish, right? Because you'll have sort of a balance you can keep, uh, and you can use that money to send to people, or but you can also bring money in. It's a little, I don't know. It's a little weird. I'm, I'm going to have to see how it's implemented. Um, but, uh, that and Apple gets a cut. Yeah. Right. Well, like a small char- percentage. Are they going to charge us? See, this is where I feel like, I don't know of all I the details remember, out there. Yeah, yeah. They usually get, I mean, uh, square cash and some of these other outfits, uh, they don't charge anything for non-businesses. Like you, you have limits of what you can transfer right around, right. but they essentially, um, I think I'm sure Finmo used to have a quarter of cent, a quarter uh, fee per transaction, but I think they dropped it. There's some ways in which uh, I think they want to get people, uh, merchants involved in the system and people accepting payments for, you know, uh, small businesses uh, and other kinds of transactions and they'd make their money off that part of it. So you get all the money in the system, then people will become Venmo or Square Cash, um, you know, payment, whatever's, and then they get their 3% when the money comes out of the system that way. But um, yeah, it's a funny thing. A lot of people want to help people move money around and it's unclear yet how much money uh, they'll take out of it. Also, a lot of these systems are intra-country. Uh, so uh, Apple Pay um, for like this peer-to-peer version, I believe it's only going to be available in the, the U.S. initially. Maybe it'll be available in another country. But if you want to send money between countries, a lot of these systems won't let you, or they're very limited, like U.S. to U.K., but not you know U.S. to Mexico. And um, there are trillions of dollars in remittances that go among countries every year. And so if somebody were to solve, and I know that there are people sending money back home are not all going to own iPhones, obviously, but there's still, there's an ecosystem. There's a lot of money in which a ton of, um, of fees are applied and money taken out of those transactions. So uh, once intra-country, I mean, it also can be used for money laundering and other things too. So that's the downside, but there's a lot of room for growth there. Rowan, what do you think about this app store overhaul? That was part of the announcement that, um, Apple's ter- going to turn the App Store in iOS, at least, into something that is more like Apple Music. How do you feel about that? I like how Apple felt like the App Store needed an overhaul because I think it did. Uh, I feel like the App Store has gotten kind of kind of like iTunes in a way that it's gotten so big that it's a little unwieldy and hard to find things and hard to use. I don't like the way. Or maybe I haven't gotten used to the way the uh, Apple Music Store is presented on iOS. It's, I, and so I have a little bit of hesitation when it comes to implementing it into the App Store because only because of my own experience is that it hasn't been very good. And I think it's mostly just that I'm not used to it yet. Mm-hmm. But... You know, and maybe I need to use it more. I don't use it that often, so, um, so yeah, I, 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 I will be using it a lot more when it, when that design comes to the app store because I use the app store a lot. So, but are you gonna go visit every day and check out? Well, I mean, it's your job, so you probably will. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, that's the thing. your job. Like, why would people? I mean, it seemed like, and I saw some commentators, uh, sensible people, writing about this too. Like, yeah, this is good for Apple because it could make the App Store a more routine stop. And I'm like, well, people 
get an app because they need something or they see an ad and they decide it meets a need. They don't, people don't tend to like, I don't know what kind of software I need to run today. I will go look for apps. Um, right. Unless right. they're looking for new game. I mean, new games I get, you know, it's like new music, new games, um, things that allow that kind of discovery, but like for entertainment purposes, how many new apps do you buy that aren't like a game and how many, I don't know. I mean, right. I don't see other, like no one's looking for like, let's find out what periodical is available today that wasn't available <laughs> yesterday. Right. Back in the day when, you know, software was sold on disc and put in box and put, and then you had to go buy it off a shelf. Nobody ever went, Hey, let's go browse the software section at the local electronics store today and see what we could find. And nobody ever did that. It was always the dustiest part of the store because People knew what they wanted, they got it, and then they left. You Maybe you browsed the game section. Yeah, that, it's always games, right? You're like, because right. new games came out, or you're like, you know, I'm, I've, I'm bored with uh, Space Invaders. I want the next thing, right. so let's find it. And, uh, and maybe you want to get a demo of it, see what it looks like, right? But I just don't – it's like one category. Um, there are, you know, there are like uh, people involved in uh, – interested in like fashion and um, other kinds of apps – there are things in that area, but they aren't being created in such a quantity that there's something new every day. I mean, the yeah, it's. I mean, I know there's a lot of app growth, but so many of them are really specific. They're apps for different companies for events. Um, I don't see the same kind of app growth in most categories, except again, games, and um, and that's a very hard thing to sort through. So yeah, we'll see. I mean, it's I, I'll, I'll welcome an easier approach because the app store stinks um, and right now, so it'll be good to have something that's better. And I hope it works better because the current one is again like uh, iTunes in a lot of ways. It feels like a bad HTML wrapper as opposed to a native app, um, and it works very poorly. And I often, you know, people are constantly complaining about. Uh, being un- unable to get results or getting inconsistent results from an app. And you're like, this is Apple's own store. Make it work right, guys. Um, speaking of uh, – well, so speaking of something totally unrelated, I was thinking of cars earlier. One of the features that they announced was a do not disturb while driving option, which I thought was fantastic to hear about because uh, we know distracted driving is a huge thing. And people often are their own worst enemies. So having a mode you can enable that just automatically keeps you from – getting notified um, and interacting with the phone, you know, putting it to essentially a special mode uh, while it detects that you're uh, driving. That seems like a fantastic thing. Yes. It, it seems to me that maybe, maybe it's just because I live in San Francisco, but I feel like I see more and more and more and more people gazing at their phones while they're driving. Oh God. Yes. And yeah. It's here especially too in Seattle. I can tell you people are always looking. I see people do something weird. And I look up and their head is looking you know, their head's looking down and their hands are on the wheel and you're like, oh, right. all right. Right. Or, you know, I, I don't know how many times, and maybe, maybe be, a lot of it has to do with the, uh, with uh, ride sharing, you know, maybe because I live in San Francisco, there are a lot more Uber and Lyft drivers here and maybe they're having to use their apps a lot more because they're, you know, trying to get their rides or trying to uh, navigate the city. And maybe that's why I see a lot more, but you know, there are people I see a lot of people holding their phones, you know, not even in amount, but holding their phones and looking at their phones while they're driving. Oh and, God, I know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And but you know the thing that's gonna happen is this feature is gonna come out and, and people are gonna wanna be able to turn it off because they wanna be able to access their phones while they're driving. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, although but again, I think I uh, I mean I'd say uh it's a voluntary thing, but I think if you have uh, – people often like externally imposed authority even if they enable it. 
Uh, it's right. like the willpower thing. It's like maybe you if a text message comes up, you're going to glance at it, even though you know you shouldn't, because you just we're we're wired that way. We're wired based on um, you know movement and response and and uh, alert, right? So having that mode just means, and the fact that it will automatically reply to someone if you want it to, you can set it so it says, "Hey, I'm in motion out there. I'm driving at the moment, and I'll get back to you later," or something like that. That seems fantastic, and then that answers the need for someone worried about, well, that person is trying to reach me and they can't, and this could be problematic. But, um, you know, I, I do like this Siri features, even though they work, but I feel like the unattended Siri features are really crummy right now. I'm often driving and I don't do, I'll do the hands-free thing very briefly, but I'm like, I need to tell my wife I'm running late or she sends a message. I, I still can't get, Siri is supposed to be able to read recent text messages. I was complaining it didn't recently. And someone said, no, no, that feature has been in since I don't know, iOS 9, iOS 10. And I was try- I'm driving the other day and I'm in traffic and I cannot look away from the street. It's too complicated. And I'm trying to get Siri to read a message that came in from my wife. And I cannot get the system, no matter what comment, like, you don't have a last message. And would you read it? It's like, okay, I'm going to, you know, there is a message here from, and I'm like, oh, would you? And so yeah. <laughs> if they would improve Siri and offer this feature, I'd be perfectly right. happy to have it read a few, you know, read a message aloud um, if I thought it was important enough, but all part of the same thing. Um uh, indoor, I mean, this, uh, going kind of doing a feature list, folks, because there's so many little things. So we're going to go through sort of bullet points, but uh, indoor mapping, a new thing. Uh, I don't know if Google Maps had that before. I assume it was not new to Apple, but they'll have uh, malls and uh, airports and other spaces. They'll um, uh, Apple Maps will be able to help guide you into you know large interior spaces, which is very useful. Um, live photos, which I don't personally still care for at all. Uh, Apple's allowing some editing features and will also uh, provide a bounce effect style option, which, um, is, uh, 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 something was it called, uh, boomerang is the uh, Facebook slash Instagram app that does that. And so Apple's stealing a little of that thunder that people like, um, that kind of c- cyclical thing. It's not really like vine cause vine was a little longer. This is more, um, just like a few seconds. Typically the boomerang thing is like you watch a couple things unfold and then you, they rewind and go forward again for the kids. Kids like their boomerang. Um, new image formats. Now, this is interesting. We've just when you get used to being able to say H.264, uh, you're going to have to start saying H.265. Seems very inconvenient. <laughs> um, so, Apple's offering higher compression rate video and uh, image formats in uh, iOS 11. And ostensibly, H.264 and 5 are part of a set of um, you know, industry standards. So, uh, I don't know how compatible it is. I'm sure we'll be finding out in terms of uh, which, um, you know, browsers, devices, plugins, whatever will support H.265 playback immediately. Uh, we know from um, Apple, the way Apple distributes things, you can often export a video. So uh, if you're within the ecosystem, you're just using your devices, it syncs, it plays everywhere. If you need to get it somewhere else, you export it into a format from photos or something, or you share it and the share sheet automatically converts it to a compatible format for YouTube or Vimeo or whomever. So uh, conceivably, this will be seamless. I imagine there'll be some confusion I'll be hearing about at Mac 911. <laughs> and people say, I just got this new thing and it won't play on this other thing. It's like, okay, here's what you got to do. Um, and then there's the high efficiency image format, Hyf. They just been a little more you know, clever. They could have called it Heifer, right? H-E-I-F-E-R, but it's just H-E-I-F. I don't know why that would be good, but it would be. Um, but it's kind of uh, – there, there's been a lot of interest over the years. Every few years, some format comes along. 
to try to compress images better without um, making them worse than JPEG. And uh, HEIF, or HIF, I guess, is um, latest entry. I used to be a um, – Roman, it's hard to believe what a nerd I am. I used to be kind of a specialist in file formats. I used to write a lot about um, graphic uh, image uh, stuff. So I was dealing with the vagaries, and uh, Kodak had this format called Flash Picks once everyone was briefly excited about. And, um, you know, there's just a lot of um, – there's just a lot of file formats out there in ping, uh, ping, which by the way, in the specification tells you how to pronounce it. It's pronounced ping, uh, ping, <laughs> JPEG and GIF. I'll bro- brook no other pronunciation. Um, you know, those are the most common ones. TIFF is still used for uh, graphic, uh, preparation. I was just making TIFF files for, uh, some print output that I'm doing for letterpress and, uh, TIFF is still the way to go because it's a lossless format with compression. Um, so we kind of have the three main players and then this one graphics format and there's EPS and stuff for vector. Um, so Hyfe, I guess, is the new thing we'll all have to deal with. And again, I don't know how compatible it will be outside of Apple's ecosystem initially, but I assume it's something that other uh, makers, you know, Google and everyone else will be supporting as well. So is is Hyfe, just to clarify, is Hyfe basically another, how do I put it? Is it basically part of the JPEG format? So is is it, Oh, is it a type of JPEG compression or I don't know if that it's, question makes sense. Uh, it's, you know as, I mean? yeah, I do. As from what I understand, it's, um, so, you know, there's lossy and loft, there's lossy and lossless file formats, right? And lossless file formats preserve every pixel in exactly the detail as it was is, uh, right. in the original file. Uh, and it can use compression. So it removes redundancy to make a smaller file and lossy files like JPEG, um, use algorithms to create an approximation of an area. Yeah, so Hyfe, it's, um, I thought Apple was talking about a proprietary format, which would be bad, um, but it's, uh, it's a, um, it's like a, a, a wrapper. So, um, what's funny is JPEG and TIFF are not actually, uh, image data formats. They're more like, um, they're a combination. JPEG is actually technically JPEG slash JFIF which most people don't realize. So there's like one thing is the image compression format and the other is the wrapper that puts metadata on it and kind of tells the computer how to read it. So uh, HEIF is um, is going to be a um, uh, like a, not a replacement for JPEG. It's going to be a, a newer format. And um, from what I can tell, it's uh, it's an Apple implementation but it should be able to uh, – other people should be able to create the same thing. I don't know if Apple's going to license it or something, but it's um, – there's like a core part of it that comes from the MPEG standards committee and Apple's implementing a version of it. So I think uh, – this is where I'm confused, right, is I'm not sure whether the specification as it's licensed um, – other companies will simply be able to license it, make their own versions, or there'll be open source versions. Or if Apple is creating something that's a unique combination of things that are all approved, and then we have to wait for people to catch up and maybe Hyfe will wind up being Apple exclusive, or you'll be able to read and show Hyfe files elsewhere, but not create them, which uh, there was a point with, um, it wasn't JPEG. I think it maybe was JPEG. There were, there was a point at which you, there were certain kinds of files you could not create, uh, with software, you couldn't edit them. Oh, think about like MP3. Because of MP3 patent restrictions, there were software that could read and play it back, but you couldn't edit the file format because they were they could license or use a licensed playback engine, but they didn't want to license and pay for the one to edit it. So I guess we'll find out soon how this is all going to shake out. But it sounds like Apple is going first, as it often is, because it has an ecosystem. It can um, 
it can uh, adopt uh, uh, thoroughly across all the devices that its customers use and then export to other formats. Much more confusing than I thought, but we'll guess we'll get more detail. Um, Roman, one other thing that came up too is uh, uh, related to image stuff is um, this kind of this cool new thing. And I, I'm really curious how people who aren't technology writers will use it. Uh, screenshot markup and screen ca- video screen capture within the device. Um, so a lot of people don't know this. Uh, maybe they do. I'm sorry, listeners. I don't mean to insult your intelligence or presume what you know. But did you know when you plug your iOS devices into a Mac, you can use QuickTime Player to capture the video from it directly? And I use this. In fact, uh, you can connect a USB-C connector to uh, an Apple TV, plug it into a Mac like with USB-C or with a Type-A connector, and you can capture the video off your Apple TV. I've done that for uh, recording demos or getting screen captures from apps. Um, but Roman now will be able to do the, the screen capture video directly or video screen capture directly in iOS. Uh, and markup screenshots. Do you think this is a feature people use who aren't us? I mean, I know I use this all the time. Um, and maybe it's family tech support, like you take a screenshot, you mark it up and send it to somebody. But um, it seems a little niche, but uh, uh, people seem more excited about it than I would have would have expected. it. This to me screams like a feature that, like say my son would be into. Oh, or, interesting. Yeah. You know, or people who are really into posting YouTube videos. This seems like that kind of thing where they're, you know, they're cr- creating their own little shows on YouTube, and this is just another way they can do it. Like for instance, okay, so I'm really, I'm still into Pokemon Go. I'm like one of the, one of the five people still playing it, and there are, I, you know, every once in a while when I'm not doing anything else, I, I'll watch a Pokemon Go video by I forget the guy's name. And you know he has these he he shoots he shoots videos of his uh, Pokemon Go session on his phone. So I mean some like that that kind of thing. There's people I, I think there are a lot of people who are creating videos and posting them on the web, and they're creating their own little shows. And I could see them getting really excited about this type of feature because it, it allowed them to, you know, it, it's a sh- it, it allows them an easier way to to get what they're trying to show oh. now. I, you know, again, so, video games, I don't really do the video game thing yeah. that much. That makes a lot of sense. I mean, there's yeah. things like Twitch that are super popular for people streaming, not streaming what they do, not just uh, posting a video um, to be able to comment on it live. But that's uh, that's very interesting. I mean, my kids are really into Minecraft, and they occasionally do like screen capture videos on, you know, the Mac, and then not sure what they're not sure what to do with it. Some of their friends have YouTube channels, and I'm like, I don't know if uh, there's a lot of stuff out there. I don't know if you need a YouTube channel, but we'll see. <laughs> Kids yeah, can't have so YouTube channel until they're 14. Yeah, it's basically <laughs> taking out, a, like, a, you know, it makes it easier for them to create the content that they want to create. So, I see. Okay. Yeah. So I think that that's why it'll be popular with them. Um, got a few other features. Uh, Control Center, which is a hot mess, is getting, um, I mean, having to swipe among multiple screens is a disaster. Um, I mean, I make it sound like it's super terrible, but it's just so awful. I'm, if I'm doing a, uh, you know, you're doing something where you need the main screen and you're like, Oh, I'm doing a podcast or I'm listening to a podcast or music. You have to swipe. It's just an ugly interface. So that's been revamped thankfully. And it'll be customizable as well, which is good. Um, yeah, I like the new control center interface. I like much better. It, it feels Apple like to me, it, you know, it feels, it feels like the way it should have been done in the first place. Yeah, and, it felt like a big – they kind of band-aided the control center version over version. The first version was kind of clunky, but you're like, oh, thank goodness I have it, right? And then yeah. it was – then it got like, oh, now there's a lot more stuff in here. And then now it's iTunes. 
Yeah. Oh no, it's iTunes, and I can't get rid of anything. Um, and if you're, you know, if you're a frequent, uh, depending on how much you travel and do other stuff, you're always accessing various um, uh, of the wireless features of airplane mode and so forth. There's the rotation lock. There's all kinds of things you need all the time. And um, uh, you know, the thing that I want them to fix, and I didn't see any mention of this, is a, a handoff. Do you have this problem? If you use the feature at all, I use it all the time, or I try to. If you have notifications on your lock screen, it'll show you the handoff icon. So I'm looking at a file on my machine. I'm looking at a Safari uh, news story in uh, Safari, right? Pick up my iPhone. It shows me the Safari icon. I can't swipe it up if I have notifications. So I have to dismiss my notifications, then lock the screen again, then press the lock, you know, the standby button, right? Then swipe it up. And I feel like this is the most ugly bit of terrible UI. I didn't see any mention of you know, we're improving handoff, so it works, but um, maybe we'll get something about that. Maybe they will fix it anyway. AR kit, we mentioned earlier, that's their uh, uh, augmented reality kit that's uh, developers are already taking advantage of. And Core ML, um, which again, I mentioned briefly, it's just um, what it sounds like is there's a lot of machine learning uh, approaches out there. There's different software packages and systems, and you won't be able to – so machine learning is based partly on – um, a big part of it is training. So you feed a billion images uh, into a system and it tells you what it thinks and you have human beings or other algorithms determine whether it's right or wrong. So with a giant training data set, you come up with a relatively compact model. The model can be on the order of uh, megabytes or maybe even a few gigabytes, depending on what you're doing. Um, even if you fed in like, you know, a, a thousand terabytes, the output is relatively small because you're kind of building a tiny set of decisions, right? In, in essence. Um, so these are exportable. And uh, like I say, if they're in, it can be, you can compact a model or it can be relatively small, could be on the order of megabytes. So what Apple did is they developed a kind of code importer. So apparently you can drag and drop the output of a training set. Like, so you have your machine learning model for recognizing cats or um, kinds of uh, car hood ornaments or whatever you're doing, um, or, you know, uh, usage of uh, Shakespearean English in text or something, you drag that into Xcode and it basically builds a package around it. It doesn't, you don't have to convert into a format. You don't have to do any whatever. And it's immediately available for consultation through the framework. So that's a little techie, but that's what I understand from the developer side that they'll be able to immediately embed machine learning models created elsewhere. And people are very excited about it because it's, um, it sounds relatively simple compared to other approaches. And that combined with like the iPad Pro, which has one of the most powerful processors that Apple sells outside of its, you know, iMac line, right? It's um, more powerful than uh, uh, apparently than even um, I think the MacBook Pro for certain, not for GPU stuff, but for raw processing. So we'll see what's going on there. Um, Roman, the only the only feature I could find that was iPhone-specific seemed to be the one-handed keyboard invocation. I don't know if there's anything else that's only on iPhone. Um, and, so, and that's a cool one. You'll be able to hold down on the global keyboard selection in a keyboard and then essentially say, I want a keyboard that's sort of mostly to my right or mostly to my left so you can you don't have to reach across, um, which is useful. You know, it's even useful with a – with a, an SE format, but it's extremely useful. I've got a 6S uh, and a 7 Plus, and um, the 7 Plus has other modes you can use, but um, about that give you screen access uh, or keyboard and other screen access uh, to make choices. But um, this should be very nice when you just want to hold that in one hand and not have to grow a longer thumb. <laughs> yeah, didn't, um, didn't Microsoft have a one-handed keyboard for the iPhone for a while? I did they have? I remember something about that. I don't think it got wide adoption because I never hear anybody uh, 
talking yeah, about I, it. I think I tried it for a while, and then uh, I think I felt weird using a, <laughs> a Microsoft keyboard <laughs> on my iPhone. Yeah, I love the Google keyboard so. on my iPhone, but they don't. They don't. As far as I know, the Gboard does not do that. Um, yeah, I, my problem is I don't really want to. I mean, it means switching keyboards because I don't use Apple's keyboard. So I mean, switching to an Apple keyboard to get that left, right, you know, one hand action, but it'll be worthwhile. Um, well, let's finish up this week just talking briefly about the um, iPad Pros and, and iPad specific features. As we were talking about earlier, um, Apple broke out, you know, their here's our new exciting iPad Pro um, and uh, all the hardware stuff we talked about a bit. You can read that. At macworld.com, there's some hands on um, with that. Uh, do we have the review up yet? I wasn't uh, not yet. We're not uh, so. That's... Uh, Oscar, Oscar Raimundo is going to be doing the review for us, and we will have it in the next few days. That's great. So, so. look for that, folks, and um, uh, to get more detail. But there's, so there's just you know, there's a handful of features. It's it's trying to make it a little more productivity oriented. So you'll be able to dock apps. You'll have that kind of new window style. That's not like a slide over window, but it's more like, I don't know. It's like a floating window is what it looked like to me. So yeah, they're going to have some new ways to, uh, to interact with apps. Um, so, you know, there'll be that dock thing. There'll be a way to, to sort of pull apps out. I mean, out, uh, there's iPad, uh, iPad has slide over and split screen now, and this is kind of like a new, like they're, they're offering new modalities so that, uh, it's going to, you'll be working with apps on an iPad a bit differently is what it feels like it, without it becoming a um, desktop operating system and having like a desktop that you have things and launching and so forth. But it's, um, it definitely is a little more uh, Mac like with the notion that you're going to have a lot of apps you work with that you work among all the time and you want to go back and forth. And that's, that's a different philosophy. I think it's uh it reflects where they're trying to go with the product and, Given that people aren't refreshing their iPads very quickly, then this may be the market they have to go after is with these more, you know, business productivity and, you know, and also for creative people, uh, and when I say productivity, you know, it could be office and PDF editing and whatever and email. Um, but for creative people being able to work among a bunch of different, uh, creative apps for, for, uh, drawing and illustration and, uh, image editing and, um, so forth. That's all uh, same same kind of situation. You're just constantly swapping among different stuff. You're not like in an app environment for hours at a time necessarily. Yeah, it definitely feels more like a product that was maybe taking aim at the Microsoft Surface a little bit. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm assuming that the Surface is doing well for Microsoft. I mean, the people here at PC World love it, and it seems to be doing okay for them. I, you know, not necessarily doing gangbusters, but it's doing fine. And you know, but it's enough for Apple to maybe pay attention to it. So it seems like it seems like it's addressing whatever market, uh, whatever competition to Microsoft Surface seems to put up. It also seems to me like it could be pushing the mic the MacBook Air, you know, mm-hmm. a little bit out of a, out of position. You know, it's it could possibly be a replacement for the MacBook Air. It's you know. I, but, but what? How much is the uh, the ten and a half inch uh, iPad again? The ten and a half Pro. inch iPad is it's uh, six hundred and fifty bucks for a sixty four gigabyte Wi Fi only model, which is pretty inexpensive. I mean, you get a keyboard yeah. cover if you're going to be using it more like a laptop. You get a keyboard cover, but that's not that expensive. You know, you get a pencil; it's not super expensive. You're still 
well under um, probably like what eight hundred something. Well, depending on the keyboard and whatever you get, uh, you still could be eight fifty nine hundred dollars um, at cellular. It's another hundred thirty bucks. So some you know you could hit a thousand dollars for a basic system with sixty four gigs, but it's only uh, it's a hundred dollars more for two hundred fifty six gigabytes, and um, that seems like the sweet spot, like seven hundred fifty dollars plus a pencil, plus a keyboard cover, maybe third party when those come out, or maybe Apple's. And um, that's a pretty powerful and flexible system where MacBook Air, it's not Retina. Uh, processor speed is much slower. It uh, doesn't have the interactive touchscreen, doesn't work with a pencil. Um, so I think for a lot of people, that's going to be that's going to be something that um, it's going to be a choice in a way that it wasn't before. And also, I think this is something that gets talked about been talked about for years and years, most people do relatively few things on a computer. And uh, if you have a tablet that's full feature enough and people can use it in a more flexible way and they get a keyboard for it, then, you know, if all you're doing is email, web browsing, and some writing um, and using something like Keynote or, you know, you're doing business productivity plus watching videos, doing games, a few other things, then this is a, could be a really wonderful alternative that is a best of both worlds. Uh, you know, just pull the keyboard thing off. And I think for a long time it didn't seem that way because it seemed like the iPad or, you know, iOS wasn't oriented enough towards, um, I'm going to say productivity or just like um, interaction. It felt like Apple really played down some of the aspects, even though they were seemingly trying to get people in those markets to buy it. It didn't feel like they'd put enough in. And this feels like a real attempt to make it a viable it's not laptop alternative, but it's like a task alternative. Like if your set of tasks falls within a circle, we made the circle bigger. So more tasks fit inside it and this could fit all your needs where otherwise you might need like an iPhone or a large iPhone, you know, but plus and a laptop to do it. So I, I don't know. I think there's a market where this now makes a lot of sense, um, even more than it did before. And uh, I think John Gruber was running about the processor power in this thing. It's pretty out of control. It's very, very high performance, which doesn't matter from the standpoint of um, most things people do. You know, gaming, again, is a big deal or certain kinds of video work or whatever. Um, but compared to a laptop, it's going to seem really zippy, fast, wonderful. So it doesn't feel like a compromise. You're not getting a slower uh, device that feels like a compromise compared to what you get out of a laptop. I think we may have hit the end of our topics for this week. That's a lot of stuff. Yeah, there's there's a lot. There's more to talk about too. We'll get we'll get to some more things too. Um, yeah, I think Apple. Uh, it's funny. I felt like they we were talking about how crammed it felt uh, and how fast they were talking. Um, by the end there of the keynote, and it was well over two hours. Uh, and we talked a lot about the HomePods uh, last week, uh, so we're not reiterating that. But I think we're, we're going to keep getting more information. Developers are working with stuff. Apple's putting out a little more detail. And uh, next week we'll um, we'll see where things stand as people have started to experiment more and um, we get more sense of what's going on. So, uh, Roman, great to talk to you again. Thanks for having me. Pleasure. And uh, folks, I have been and remain Glenn Fleischman, uh, senior contributor here at Macworld. And this has been episode 563 of the Macworld podcast for June 14th, 2017. You can find us, of course, at Macworld.com, at Facebook.com slash Macworld. You can give us feedback or comments or additional information on articles on the Twitter machine. We are at Macworld, of course. And you know where to find us on this this bat time, bat channel by Adam West. We miss you. Uh but I always have to you know, think back to those great days. And uh, you'll find us here next week. So tune in again, and thank you for listening.